What the heck? It's a new it's a new voice. A new voice every time. <laughs> <laughs> Recording the part. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the season finale of Outside the Arena. Obviously, Griffin Senek here, joined by my co-host Mac Rommel. Bit of an emotional one today. Kind of a, a sending off to my fellow co-host, Mr. Mac, here as he departs for college for the Baylor Bears. Um, you know, it will be um, kind of tough to see him go. But that said, for, before we start and before we let uh, before I let Mac say anything, first off, I think I'll first off say it myself. You know, Mac, it's been a fantastic time with you. This isn't a goodbye forever. You're going to be back. You might be back a lot more than we expect. But, you know, it has been amazing to have you on, obviously, do this podcast with you. It's been a blast. We've become great friends from it. And, uh, you know, I truly looking for people to fill in. There's no replacement for you and, and your knowledge. So it will be tough to fill in, find a guy for you. But, um, you know, that's kind of the, um, you know, send off as it is. But I will discuss the future plan. So obviously this is the season finale. It doesn't feel right having it all under one um, thing for, you know, what could be a, a totally different thing. So this is season one, the finale. Um, we're glad you joined us. Then we're going to take a one week um, break. We haven't missed a week yet. So I'm going to take one week off just to relax and, and, and not have to worry about filming necessarily. And then we're going to be back with season two and season two will, you know, it'll be similar formatted episodes, but NFL season, we're going to be doing weekly game predictions. I'd expect the editing to improve as well. I'm going to do try and do some workshops with that and really work on improving the, the format, at least so we can get some graphics and whatnot going. Um, so I'll work on that a little bit, try and get that improved. We'll be doing periodic guests as we have this season, season one. We had fantastic guests. If you haven't go already, um, go watch those. We had so many great guests and, uh, you know, I think, you know, conversations we, we won't forget for the near future. That's for sure. Those were, you know, really fun times. So kind of a similar format, doing a lot of fantasy football. In terms of who will be my co-host or co-host, um, I'm unsure right now. Obviously, I think um, the expectation should be, you know, people you've already seen on this channel. Those are probably the people that will likely be here. I don't know if we'll have one kind of permanent guy while Mac is out or if it'll be, uh, you know, flipping each week. But that said, we're going to figure it out. You'll probably be able to hear more on the season two intro, um, the, the, you know, first episode of season two. So stay tuned for that. And, you know, with Mac, obviously going off to college, it's going to be very difficult for him to film at times. So um, he's going to be back. It's just not his last episode. That's for sure. You know, he's still the, the true co-host of this podcast. But um, that said, um, you know, he's going to be out for a bit. We don't know how long and, uh, you know, we don't know how consistent he will be able to be here, but he'll be back. Um, I'm sure. Once the Dallas Cowboys starts thinking it up, they'll have to come <laughs> on and defend them or whatnot. But I'd expect them back. He could be back full time. We don't know what, you know, it will be. I'll let you kind of say something, Mac, before we jump in. But, yeah, that's kind of the update on where the podcast is at. So season one finale uh, before I let Mac talk here. Thanks so much for all the support, everyone. I know the subscriber count hasn't necessarily grown in a bit. If you are here and you're not subscribed, please subscribe. We'd really appreciate it and like the video. But that said. Um, it's been a fantastic, you know, over a year now. It's, it's insane to think um, that we are basically 13 months of, of consistent uploading a week from now when we're filming this. It'll be 13 months to the day. So, you know, super um, grateful. And, and it's been an amazing first season. And I can't wait to see what the future holds. But, Mac, I'll let you kind of say something before we jump right into the NFL preseason and fantasy. 
as Griffin said, we really, really appreciate all of you guys supporting us all the time. And as you said, the subscriber count may not have grown a lot. Knowing <laughs> it for you loyal outside the arena fans, it's going to keep growing. We're going to do our best to make sure that this channel, this podcast stays alive and improves every single week for Griffin. As he said, it's been an amazing almost 13 months doing this with you. You're the best host. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do this with anyone else. And I'm so glad that you reached out to me after the Bruce Beck camp to come and do this with you. As you said, we've become such close friends. We're talking every day. And although we haven't been able to hang out, we're going to be friends for life. I know that you're going to come visit me at Baylor. When I'm back here, we're going to hang out. I'm so glad I met you, and I'm so glad I have a new friend for life uh, and you, Griffin. I appreciate everything you do. And, yeah, so as he said, I'm going to college this week. Um, so this is my last episode full-time. Uh, well, as he said, we're not sure if it's going to be full-time that I'm back eventually or how my schedule is going to work. We're just going to kind of wing it. But I'm definitely going to come back on this channel. And even in the summers, I don't think me and him really discussed that that much or during breaks. I'll be here those weeks. Uh, all summer, I'll be here. It's just during the school year. I have to figure things out once I get there this this week in the next few weeks, uh, figure out the lay of the land uh, before I decide or know how much I'll be able to come on. But my guess is at least once a month, that should be my goal. If not more, I hope it could be more. And hopefully I get back to eventually doing it weekly once I figure things out. But that's the goal for now. I love all of you guys for watching this. I love you, Griffin. You've been a great, a great host, a great friend. What I want to do with anyone else, as I said, and I think we should get right into this. Yeah, I think we should jump right in for the season one finale. I wish we kind of had a guest, but obviously it's kind of been a, a chaotic uh, last week trying to figure out a time to film. So um, you know, <laughs> due to the time difference, I don't think that would yeah. quite work out. Uh, six hours behind, it's just not yeah, a good <laughs> It is not a, an easy find to find a time. But that said, we're here. We're making it work. And with that, we're going to jump right in. Enough lovey-dovey between me and Mac over here. We're going to just jump right <laughs> in. To, uh, to discussing the NFL preseason. So, obviously, um, you know, right now the, the Panthers and Colts are finishing up the last week game of, of week two, technically. But it's really week one. Obviously, Cowboys-Steelers played in the Hall of Fame game. But we saw a lot of rookie quarterbacks make their debut. We saw Mac Jones take the field. We saw Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, all the really main guys. We also saw, um, goodness gracious, Jordan Love um, take the field for the first time as well. So a lot of new faces to the NFL making their debuts. Um, I know one uh, specific guy stood out to me, as I'm sure you will say as well. He played fantastic. But what were kind of some of the, your thoughts on the way the rookie quarterbacks played? Um, some early thoughts on, you know, if you're worried about them, if you feel better about them than you did. What are your kind of thoughts on on those guys as of now? All right, so I'll be honest, I didn't see much of Trevor Lawrence. I didn't see much of Zach Wilson, so I'm not going to be able to comment too much on that. I'm going to have to look over at some stats when we get uh, to going into each in individual person. But Justin Fields, easily the first person that stood out to me. I was watching that game, and you see him come on this first drive, back-to-back uh, -back penalties. It may have been three. Um, I could be wrong about that, but you're set back. You're inside the five-yard line. You're pushed back. You're struggling. You have a, a rough drive the next drive, but after that, you come out and he balls. He finished 142 yards with 14 uh, completions on 20 attempts and a touchdown. 
That's exactly what you want to see from Justin Fields. He's making all the throws. He's playing smart. And you saw that athletic ability. Even in his throws, he's escaping the pocket. And sometimes you may not want to see this with a quarterback where they should get rid of the ball, prevent the sack. But you're seeing Justin Fields. This is the mentality we were talking about, especially in that Clemson game with the injury. He does what he can to make plays happen. He risks sacks. And even on that one touchdown run that he had, that should have been a sack. He got off, he broke away, and he scored the touchdown. You're seeing this tough mentality from him that you're not going to see out of some of these other quarterbacks. And I think Justin Fields so far has stood out the most. Um, as I said, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, I didn't see much on them. So I, I can't really comment about that. But then you see guys like Trey Lance, a guy who didn't play last year. He was not in the – what the heck is the word? He wasn't – I'm trying to think of the conference or whatever it's called. Uh, I think he was in – yeah, FCS. Yeah, FCS, yeah. not FCS. So he wasn't going against that top-level competition. And you saw the way that he was performing uh, when he was on the field. He had a huge touchdown pass, excuse me. Um, I believe it was 80 yards, something like that. And you're seeing him yeah. ball out, 128 yards. The only concern for him is he was 5 for 14. He didn't complete many of those passes. But you did see he's able to make these throws. He is fair, fairly accurate, and he has that big arm we were all expecting to see from him. So Trey Lance – and um, Justin Fields, those are the two standouts for me. And then you go to the Patriots, and you have Mac Jones. And I think he, he did what you wanted to see from him. He was 13 for 19, 87 yards. He didn't have those deep balls, but you saw the accuracy. You saw what you were expecting to see um, him doing coming out of college. And it looks like he's fitting pretty well in Bill Belichick's uh, system offensively. And maybe they got lucky. Maybe they got a guy who could be similar to Tom Brady. No one's ever going to play up to Tom Brady's level, but you have a guy with similar play style, and I think that worked out perfectly for the Patriots that he was able to fall to them at 15. Yeah, um, I agree with, with a lot of, of what you said. I didn't get to see too many of these guys actually play, but I, I, I looked back at the tape and whatnot. The one guy I really did see a good amount of was Justin Fields, and, and kind of similar to what Max said, you see what makes this guy so special in this game. <laughs> Um, jump scare for you to you audio listeners there. Um, yeah. yeah, you see what makes him so special. And, and it just kind of demonstrated the reason why it was so shocking that he fell to where he did, which I believe was, was it 10 or 11 that he fell to? It was 11. Yeah. 11. Yeah. He goes up to 10. Um, yeah. Yep. They traded up with the giants at 11. Yeah. So, you know, falling to the 11th pick, it just was kind of shocking then. And, and people didn't really understand it. I don't know what it was, but, you know, guys, team NFL execs are weird, but you see why Justin Fields is so special. And, and it's for me, one thing that is super underrated of him was his ability to get out of the pocket and escape. Mr. I think something happened. I think my grandpa may have fell. I'll be back. I just heard my mom scream. I'll be back in a second. Oh. Okay. Well, um, I'll just take a pause. Yeah, he fell trying to get up. 
Now I can't fucking hear you. This is exactly what I needed. I can't hear you. There we go. I literally just heard a bang and I heard my mom scream. Oh my gosh, shit. He was trying to get up to go to the bathroom and he fucking fell. Now I can't hear you again. Can you hear me now or now? There we go. You can hear me? Yep, perfect. Jesus, that's hopefully he's, he's okay though. Yeah, he got right up. Well, he didn't get right up. We had to help him up. Yeah, he decided not to use his fucking walker. Gramps. Silly Gramps. Come on, All right. So I'll All just right. kind of jump off where I uh, left. Um, okay. Yeah, so um, Justin Fields, uh, sorry for the a bit of a delay there in the thing. Um, or I don't know what. We're going to restart from there. All right. Sorry for that uh, quick jump. But Justin Fields, going back to what I said, what makes him so special is his ability to escape the pocket and really scramble. I think this was something that was extremely undervalued at Ohio State. You saw it in his 40-yard dash time. I mean, he was running like a 4-4 or around there, I believe. That's ridiculous. That's that's insane for a quarterback. Obviously, he's no Lamar Jackson. That's not his play style. But he's a fantastic passer. We saw that on his touchdown pass and you know his ability to run play action and stuff like that. We saw that in the Clemson game as well. He has a very strong arm. He's very tough. And then his ability to scramble, throw out of the pocket, escape. You know, the one thing it kind of reminds me of, I know it might be a stretch, but it reminded me a little bit of Patrick Mahomes, his ability to move out of the pocket, escape. And I think he's, you know, he's quicker and faster than Mahomes. That's for sure. Obviously, he's no Mahomes. I'm not comparing him to Mahomes, but it kind of just reminds me of that ability where, you know, Mahomes is very good at escaping the pocket, moving, being able um, to adapt. And I think that's the same with Justin Fields. And I think we saw that early. Um, and moving on to some of the other quarterbacks, Mac Jones, like you said, I mean, he kind of just did what you expect. He was pretty accurate, completed a lot of passes, didn't complete him for too many yards, but that's not what Mac Jones is. He's not a deep ball passer. And that's also not what the New England offense is. The New England offense is going to be built upon those short passes, utilizing those tight ends who at the moment are a little banged up. I believe John o. Smith is a little, you know, left practice with an injury or something like that. And I know Hunter Henry is dealing with some things as well. So um, definitely um, a big issue if New England's missing those tight ends. That was a key part of their offseason. Moving on to Trey Lance, you kind of covered it really well. He had that 80-yard touchdown bomb. Little bit worried. You can look at um, the accuracy, 5 for 14. That's not what you want to see. You don't want to see a guy completing near 33% of his passes almost, you know, slightly above that. That's not something you're excited about, but that's a – it was good to see him back. He hasn't really played, so it's going to take a bit for him to really get in the swing of things, missing that entire season. You can't fault the guy. Um, Trevor Lawrence, I didn't get to watch much of him, but from what I heard and saw, it seemed to be an, uh, an all right performance, six or nine, 71 yards. Marvin Jones seems to be one of his favorite targets, early connections with him. That's a good sign. Also for fantasy, potentially, maybe I, him. Carter Minshew at an interception, so. You know, he's his stock keeps plummeting. I love, you know, he says, uh, I'm not going to, you know, take a dump because I'm not I, I don't do number two or you know, he's just full. he'll be the backup quarterback. I don't know what's going on with him. But Zach Wilson, from what I've heard, very good. Didn't also did not get to watch much of this game. Six or nine, 63 yards. You know, mm -hmm. he was pretty accurate, made some tight throws. It's kind of what you want to see. Um, nothing crazy, though. And then I believe the guy I'm missing is Jordan Love. Um, yeah. Made very good as well. He was actually very impressive, made some good deep ball throws. Obviously, he had that fumble, but, you know, it was a very good play by the defender on that. 
And uh, it was really good to see Jordan Love out there. We hadn't really seen any of him in a year. So to see that, you know, it seems like he's made a lot of progress, very accurate in his debut. It's a very good thing for Packers fans to see, knowing that, you know, this is the last dance with Aaron Rodgers. So good, uh, you know, all around, there was not one of them that I thought their stock really plummeted or, you know, things went wrong. I thought they all put up pretty, pretty strong performances. Um, but Justin Fields, to me, was the clear outlier. He was the guy that stood out. And I think you can put Jordan Love up there. I think Jordan Love stood out, obviously the fumble. But other than that, I think those two guys were the top performers of uh, all of the rookie quarterbacks. Look, I completely agree with you, Justin Fields. And this is a guy who we said pre-draft and when we were coming up and approaching the draft, we're like, we think this guy could be better and even is better than Trevor Lawrence. We weren't as high on Trevor Lawrence as most people were. We were high on Justin Fields. Justin Fields, he had a lot of doubters, a lot of people, even just from the Ohio State connection. You don't see many good Ohio State quarterbacks come out. They're all highly ranked. They all come out in the draft pretty highly, normally in like the top 15, but they all seem to bust. And you really don't see a guy from Ohio State that has been able to play well. You and I, as Ohio State fans, we knew this kid is different. He has rare ability. And I think the main thing you're missing from all these Ohio State quarterbacks once they get to the NFL is that toughness, that dog mentality. Justin Fields has that. And not only does he have that mentality, he is a very smart player. I think there was this test or something that they do with all incoming um, players. And it's he had he ranked first. He had the highest score out of anyone who's ever taken that test. So that just goes to show you how intelligent that this player is and how special he's going to be. As you said, Jordan Love, I didn't get to speak on him and talk about him, but he came out and he played very, very well. Just as you said, 12 for 17, 122 yards, one touchdown. And as you said, he had that fumble. And right now it is looking pretty well. You sit behind Aaron Rodgers for a year. You're hoping this could be like an Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes type deal. And you're having a better quarterback who you're learning from. Jordan Love, he's showing he's progressed since college and that he is very accurate now. He still could throw and sling that ball around. He is a great player, a great quarterback. And I think the Packers, they're set up pretty brightly for the future ahead of them. Um, and even this year, I know we probably have talked about it a little bit that you trade Aaron Rodgers, you get a package for him. This year, you're not going to get a package for him after the season. You trade him, you could build, you could get more weapons around uh, Jordan Love. And this team could be very good. And they still could potentially compete uh, for a Super Bowl title. T- title not tighter um with jordan love at quarterback if you get some more players around him you have a good defense you have a great offense and now that jordan love is going to be sitting behind aaron Rodgers for another year i think his talent is going to be insane once he finally does start in the regular season and even beyond that with this kid he looks very 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 special and then you spoke about the jaguars you spoke about trevor lawrence and i think it's only right if we're speaking about the jaguars we have to talk about tim tebow He didn't really do that much, but the one thing I will say is he did have that phenomenal block (laughs) that you're seeing all over Instagram and social media. I'm kidding. It was was pretty bad, but I just wanted to bring that joke in. I don't know how you're going to play tight end in the NFL if you're going, you're just throwing your body at someone to try and make a block. He did get the job done for that specific play, but that's not going to work once you're going against real starters. I think I had to throw that out there. That was pretty funny to me. Yeah, it was definitely funny to see Tebow lined up at tight end. Obviously, you know, he's just a guy who seems to pursue his dreams at this point, and you got to respect him for it. He's coming in, you know, basically trying out for the backup spot. He's not going in there to be the starter. He's a guy who just wants to help a team win, try out a new position, see if it'll work. And he's mm-hmm. not afraid to fail. You know, you look at his ML, his career in baseball with the Mets, you know, 
he had an all-star year in the minor leagues in terms of, you know, in the, in the, you know, league he was in then, um, you know, he had some success. He didn't have some success and, you know, he never made it to the big leagues, but you got to applaud him for, you know, putting in all that hard work for years and years and it not really paying off. He pursued a childhood dream. You got to respect him for it. And, you know, we'll see what this happens. I don't know. It doesn't look like it's going to be too good. I just, cause the guys never played tight end really, but we'll see what happens. Obviously Tebow time, you never know. So never um, know. I think, I think with that, we can move away from the rookie quarterbacks, move on to something that caught my eye that I saw in the Miami Dolphins game that I found very interesting, which was the situation regarding Miles Gaskin. Malcolm Brown was taking the snaps with the first team, essentially most of them. Obviously, he did not play too well. I believe he had nine carries for eight yards or so. But Miles Gaskin was really in there with the second team and Jacoby Brissett. So early on, I mean, you've heard that, you know, Gaskin should be the lead back, but obviously fantasy value and just in general for the Dolphins, Mac, you know, what were your kind of thoughts when you did see that? Does it worry you? Do you think Gaskin is still the clear-cut one on this team, or do you think there's definitely some reason that for fantasy owners specifically to potentially panic and, and you know, stay away from Miles Gaskin? I mean, I'm not so worried, but if he's not that number one running back, let me tell you, I'm going to be pissed. I've done one draft so far, and I ended up taking him. He is my flex, and I don't need him being the number two running back on the Dolphins. But <laughs> <laughs> realistically, as you said, Malcolm Brown, he went in there, he played like a bomb nine for eight, uh, nine carries for eight yards. You're going against non-starters for most, for the majority of this. I mean, a few starters and you're not even averaging one yard per carry. I mean, come on now. Come on now. I know the Bears have a decent <laughs> defense, but still Miles Gaskin, he comes in there only on four carries, 19 yards, 4.8 yards per carry. This is what you're expecting from him. Even in the regular season, this is something I would expect from him uh, every now and then in some games. I'm not so worried that he's going to be a backup. Um, it's a bit weird that they did do this in the preseason. Maybe they're trying to see who would fit best. But I think just after that one performance, you could say Miles Gaskin is clearly the better running back out of the two. Malcolm Brown, he's a guy that's just an average, below average type of running back. It would make no sense to throw him in there when you have Miles Gaskin, a guy who's a rising running back. He's getting better and better every single year. He's being put in a better position this year. You get more talent on the outside, and he's just put in a much better place to succeed as a young running back who's trying to succeed. And for me, I'm not so worried about this. It is interesting that they did do that. And I think it's definitely going to be something to monitor throughout the next two preseason games for the dolphins. But I don't know. It's, it, it is very weird, but I think Miles Gaston should still be the number one running back there. And I'd say still draft him in your fantasy leagues, maybe wait another round later than you would normally draft him. But I don't have too, too many worries. We're just going to have to see how the preseason plays out for the next two weeks. Yeah, I think with Miles, it was very, I think it was eye-catching would be the kind of right phrase to describe it. Um, it was interesting. It was weird. I, I I, don't know. You know, you can look at it a lot of ways. I mean, you can look at it as, hey, Malcolm Brown has been the better guy in camp. We're going to let him get the reps with the ones. You could look at it as Miles Gaskin is pretty much the top dog. So we don't need to play him as much. We can rest him. And we want to see some of these other guys take the reps with the ones, see how they may fare. This could be a backup composition between him and Salvin Ahmad, who I personally believe is the better running back um, out of the two. Um, I don't know. But to me, I, I don't think Miles Gaskin will be the number two. I mean, that makes no sense. You look at Malcolm Brown and success in the league and, and Miles Gaskin. Miles Gaskin had a very good season last year for the Miami Dolphins. He was banged up at times. But when he did play, I mean, he was 
fantastic. He's a pretty good threat out of the, you know, in terms of receiver, um, you know, being a receiving back. And he ran the ball pretty well. He's pretty efficient, averaged around four yards a carry. That's all you can ask for in a running back when you don't go out and draft the top guy, go out and sign Aaron Jones, who I thought that would be a good fit for them. They absolutely didn't go out and do it. So I think to them, I mean, maybe they'll go committee, which could be a little alarming, but I feel like Miles Gaskin played pretty well. Um, in terms of fantasy, I mean, it's definitely a little worrying. I think if I was to draft this week, um, I'd probably stay away from him just because you don't know. Maybe this is going to become more of a committee backfield. But, you know, I think if you're drafting closer to the actual season, you'll have a lot more clarity. You'll be able to see two more games, see what they run up then, and then see what depth chart they're kind of releasing and whatnot. So to me, I, I would maybe stay away from him this week, but keep a close eye. I think Gaskin should be the, the number one still. But it could be interesting. Maybe they're going committee. I don't really know. It's definitely interesting for sure. Yep, very interesting. And I don't think it would make much sense while you're trying to help Tua Tagovailoa develop and progress as a quarterback. I don't think it would make sense to have an older, uh, not as good running back and Malcolm Brown be there as their number one. Miles Gaskin, he's a young guy and he's improving. As you said, good season last year, receiving back as well. He can do it all. He just got to get better at a few things. He's not elite in any category, but he's a good overall running back. And I think that's what's good for Tua Tagovailoa. And in order for him to develop, you're going to have to have a guy who can go out in the backfield run these short routes, run these little out routes, and be able to get you a few yards, be your check down running back for Tua Tagovailoa if he can't read or um, process an entire play quickly as quickly as he needs to. Miles Gaskin will be there, and he'll be a guy you could rely on these short passes to get you a few yards here and there, and I think that's going to really help Tua develop. Malcolm Brown, I don't think you put him in there. He's not as good as, of a receiving back, clearly, um, compared to Miles Gaskin. Um but, yeah, Miles Gaston should easily be the starter. It would shock me if he isn't. But, uh, yeah, we're going to have to see the next two weeks develop. Yeah. Um, it's kind of all there really is to say on that. I don't know if you have anything else from the preseason that you wanted to discuss real quick before we jump to the more fantasy part of the, uh, the, the episode or, or what. But I – yeah. I have a little bit of a transition into fantasy. A guy who looked good in preseason, I mentioned it to you before, uh, and this is a player on the Arizona Cardinals who played my Dallas Cowboys. And let me tell you, this kid, he looked great. They're using him in all type of ways. On the Cardinals, you have A.J. Green. You obviously have DeAndre Hopkins. You have Christian Kirk. All guys who are going to be playing on the outside. But this kid, he's a young, small, quick, speedy star. He's going to be your slot receiver. He's going to be playing a lot on the inside. And his name is Ron Dale Moore. He's a rookie. I think he's going to get you a lot of fantasy points each week just from the different ways they could use him. They're using him on end of rounds versus trick plays. He was two for 16 rushing. You see him in the passing game, three for 23 yards. Uh, he's a great player. He was just getting involved quick and early. They kept him out there. And every single play, every time he touched the ball, he's quick. You're seeing him get around defenders. You're seeing them use him in creative ways that the defense has to keep on their toes and have to has to stay guessing. He's a player I'm looking at as a rookie. We can look at later in the draft or even in the waiver wire during the season if you need another receiver. He's definitely going to be a guy you have to go out, get, and look for. We're going to see how much they use him, though, with DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, A.J. Green. But I do think the way that they're going to use him is going to be relatively – um, big 
Uh, I'd say in games, he's going to have a few carries. I'm not sure how big of a role it'll be, but they're definitely going to use him at least a few times in each and every game. And you never know with his speed, his little size, his burst, his quickness, he could take one of those things to the house. And I wouldn't be surprised just by the way and uh, that they're using him very creatively. So Rondale Moore is a wide receiver, rookie wide receiver. I'm definitely, definitely looking at in waiver wire or late in my drafts. If you're in a bigger league um, to go and pick up. Yeah, Ronald Moore, um, I mean, you look at his time at Purdue, freshman year, he really broke on in the scene, but he won the uh, the Paul Hornung Award, which is, you know, given him the most versatile player in college football. So even in his college football days, you see that, you know, this guy is regarded as an extremely versatile player. I think it was a great pickup by the Cardinals. Um, you know, I think the way they use him will be fascinating. They don't have a clear-cut number one running back. They have, uh, you know, James Conner and, and Chase Edmonds there. So, you know, there's going to be opportunities for him to rush the ball. And maybe he lines up in a J.D. McKissick type role, like they use him in, in Washington. I don't know. But I think he's, you know, super versatile. You're going to see him in the receiving game. You're going to see him playing a lot. Um, he's going to be in the backfield. He'll line up in the backfield. He'll line up at the slot. You can put him on the outside. He's pretty quick. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, really. I mean, he's small. He's kind of that perfect size for, for that kind of versatility role. So I don't got too much more to say. I think he covered it pretty well. Definitely a name to keep your eye on late in drafts. And, and you know, this kid could become a, a very versatile weapon. He could be a guy going out there getting a lot of points each week. I don't think he's a guy who you're going to really look at as a true starter. But, sure, could he come in, have big – I think he'll have some weeks where he has big weeks, puts up a few touch, excuse me, touchdowns and, and whatnot. So, you know, keep your eye on him, especially if Arizona wide receivers or even running backs start to fall. You'll see this guy get more and more reps. I don't think A.J. Green will be healthy all 16, 17 games. So there's going to be some times in there where Ronda Moore will really be playing a lot. But with that, I want to move on to the fantasy portion of this episode, really. Um, and we'll kind of just go through, cover some of these main topics. So one thing that stood out to me this past week was a, a guy who, you know, is probably going top 10 in most drafts, and that's Austin Eckler. We heard Brandon Staley, the head coach, kind of say that this could be more of a committee-type approach that they're going to be using a bunch of different running backs. They obviously have guys like Joshua Kelly, Justin Jackson there. They have a rookie that they just drafted, I believe, as well. It might be Larry Roundtree that is, you know, taking some good reps. So, Mac, I'm going to ask you this. Are you worried about Austin Eckler's fantasy value based on this? Obviously, they believe they have a new offensive coordinator that came from the Saints. So, could Austin Eckler kind of emerge into that Camara type role? I mean, what are your thoughts on Austin Eckler in terms of his fantasy value going into this upcoming season? I think it's still very high. Uh, they may say they're going to do committee, but in my opinion, that's bullshit. You're not doing that with one of the best running backs in the league right now. Easily a top 10 running back, a guy who helped Justin Herbert develop so much last year. You're not going to use Justin Jackson. You're not going to use all these guys to help him help Justin Herbert make plays. Like they're not going to get it done. You have one of the best running backs in the league. You don't shy away from that. It would be absolutely stupid if they decide to go committee. So I'm not worried about this at all. I think it's just bluff, bluff, whatever you want to say. Um, and it's just not what's going to happen. He's a guy you're still taking in the top 10. I'm taking him in the top 10 if I have a late first-round pick. Easy. Um, in every single draft, he's a guy who is developing each and every year. He's a great receiving back, great running back. He do it all. He's elusive. He's versatile. And that's why he's so special. I'm not worried about him at all. You do have a lot of weapons in an offense. You have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, um, a lot of guys who get it done. You lose Hunter Henry, so uh, Austin Eckler could have a little bit of a bigger role in this offense this year. So you can even take him a little bit higher than that top 10 portion. I mean, some rankings, you have guys like Nick Chubb who are above him, Aaron Jones, but 
I think he would take him above that pretty easily, in my opinion, right now, just how much they're going to use him, how well he's been playing the past few years, and just uh, how the offense looks right now. He's going to be a great player. I'm not worried about this committee bullshit. That's not going to happen. Uh, Austin Eckler, you could draft him in the first round easily. He's going to contribute week in and week out uh, for your fantasy football team. Yeah, I think for me, Eckler is um, about my RB7. I'd put those, you know, top five guys that are often talked about. Saquon, obviously, there's some issues. We can kind of get into that in a bit, maybe. But um, I put Zeke above him. But then to me, it's Eckler. And like you said, I don't think they're going to go by committee. I think that'd be foolish. Um, you know, I think we're going to, um, you know, if you look at right now who they're resting in the preseason, they're resting Justin Herbert, they're resting Keenan Allen, and they're resting Austin Eckler. Like, you can just tell by that that he's a clear, important part of this offense. Look, could Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly get a lot of goal line reps? Absolutely. I think that's the one reason why people are cautious with Eckler. Is his rushing, you know, he's not going to get too many goal line carries potentially. But that said, you bring in the Saints offensive coordinator who's, you know, developed the Alvin Kamara scheme. We could be looking at a bigger role in the in the passing game for Eckler. So I think mm-hmm. if you're looking at PPR, obviously Eckler, that's where you want to ground in a PPR league. If you're a non-PPR, there's definitely guys like a Nick Chubb who you're going to take over him just because you need those points per reception with Eckler. You're going to be talking about six, seven receptions a game potentially with Eckler. You know, he's a guy last year who I believe averaged about 93 scrimmage yards or so per game. I mean, he was efficient. He's getting a lot of scrimmage yards. He gets a lot of touches. He averaged like 17, 18 touches a game. So he's getting the ball. Sure, will he not get 20 rushing attempts a game? Absolutely. But does that mean, you know, you should stay away from him? No, because the points per reception, super valuable. Touchdowns could be an issue, and that could be the reason he's not, you know, a top five. Running back can't really achieve, you know, take down some of those top guys. But if Austin Eckler scores a lot of touchdowns, he will easily be a top five running back this year, without a doubt. I mean, I think if he puts up 10 touchdowns, um, 10 total touchdowns, he will be a top five running back in fantasy football this year. He had, I believe, three the past year. Still put together a pretty solid year. Um, So you see, you know, he's not necessarily touchdown dependent. You know, if he does start getting touchdowns, he's not going to be a McCaffrey, but, you know, a tier lower than that kind of, you know, really could be a a perfect spot for him. He could be a guy who, I mean, we saw with Phillip Rivers when he was so involved in the passing game that year. Obviously, I don't think it'll be the same role. Phillip Rivers was the check down king, but, you know, we saw how efficient he was and how he can be. So I'm still pretty high on Eckler. Um, Not too worried about the committee. Yep. So you said Saquon Barkley. You mentioned him and he obviously was battling that injury. I forgot what specifically it was. It may have been hamstring, something like that. Uh, but it was a lower body leg injury. And uh, one of my friends, a Giants fan, he said you could visibly and visually see that one leg is smaller than the other one because of that injury. You could visibly see it. Really? Uh, wow. Not how true that is. But one of my friends, big Giants fan, he did say that he loves Saquon. He still thinks he's going to be a top three back. But I don't know about that. You're having a leg injury and for having one leg that's a little bit bigger than the other, that's going to take some time to get used to um, and also build that other leg up. You're going to have to do a lot of training to maintain that one leg and then build up muscle in the other leg. Uh, But Saquon Barkley, he's a guy. um, I still think he's a top, you know, eight-ish running back. I don't know. I still put Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Kamara. I put Zeke, um, probably Chubb, Jones, Taylor all maybe over him because of that injury. You're not going to see him probably for the first week or so. You can see a timeline of 
one to two, three weeks, something like that. And I think he could be back around week three, depending on how this goes. And I think that would be the smart move uh, for the Giants to do um, in real life. And also for fantasy football owners, you want to see him come back week three, week four, whenever it is. It may be a little late, but if he's fully healthy, he's going to come back to the Giants and he's going to rock and roll. You bring him out there a week or two early, he gets re-injured or he's not 100%. That could cost him his entire season. It could cost the Giants their entire season. And I'd rather risk our first two, three games um, to make sure Saquon Barkley is healthy, then risk an entire season and potentially lose him because you want to bring him back to try and win a game or two at the beginning of the season. So Saquon Barkley, I think it's all going to be dependent on when does he come back, how healthy is he when he comes back, and uh, really we know he's going to have that productivity in that offense. He's going to get a lot of touches, passing game, running game. So we know he's going to be he's going to have a big big workload. So Saquon Barkley, I think you're going to have to take him a little bit later, a little bit or a few picks behind some of these other guys. Um, but he's going to be a great player, and you just have to pay attention to when is he coming back and how fully or how healthy is he when he returns. Yeah. Um... I'm definitely a little worried about him. I mean, I, I put him as the, you know, RB six, probably if I had to say, um, but that's with him kind of coming back week one or so. Um, I'm worried definitely about this injury about, I believe it was a torn ACL was what it was. Okay. I, I just, from what I've heard and, and what they've kind of, you know, made this be like, I just feel like the recovery has not gone as necessarily planned. I mean, you look at guys, with torn ACLs in this league, like Odell Beckham Jr., you know, he came off the PUP list almost instantly in training camp. And, you know, his is really, you know, there's been no talk of him not playing week one. I mean, I think it's ridiculous that, you know, and, and worrisome that we're hearing Saquon could be out to week three. I mean, to me, that that makes it seem like this recovery is just not gone as planned. He tore his ACL before Odell, like multiple weeks before, too. So it, it is a little alarming, I think, that, you know, his recovery might have not gone as well as he planned. Um, to hear that a leg is significantly smaller, that's worrisome. I think with him, I mean, we've heard that Joe Judge is already going to limit the touches right out the gate. I mean, I just feel like if there's limiting touches with Saquon, I mean, if we're talking like 15, 16 touches for those first three weeks and he comes back week three, I mean, if you're not getting a productive Saquon Barkley to week six that that with that value, like if you're picking like top five in the draft, you should look elsewhere, I think, for a running back at those spots. I just think there's more, you know, number one, obviously, and, you know, number two, I don't think there's – I think it's almost McCaffrey and Dalvin will be the most guys. But, I mean, if you're thinking of taking him over like a Kamara or a Derek, even a Ezekiel Elliott, I think you got to be worried. I mean, to me, I'm, I'm, I'm very worried about a re-injury and it not being 100% from what, it, what I've heard. I mean, it just doesn't seem like he is 100% yet, not even close to it at this moment. So I'm a little worried. I don't think you can take him anywhere over McCaffrey, Dalvin, Kamara, Derrick Henry. I think you can throw Ezekiel Elliott absolutely in that list. I mean, I think you look at that next tier as well. Taylor, Eckler, Chubb Jones, that group. It's it's very risky to take um, Saquon. I think you have to for that upside over those guys. I mean, if Saquon is 100%, you're looking at a potential top, top running back, potentially number one which I don't think that next year, some of those guys, maybe Eckler just because of the receiving, I think that in PPR receiving is so huge. Um, like that, that you can really be the top back. I feel like Saquon possesses that, but the injury is definitely alarming. If they come out slow with him, it's, you know, you're looking at maybe five weeks. I mean, you can't throw five weeks in fantasy football. You need to be pretty competitive. So we'll see what happens. I'm a little worrisome state. You got to stay closely updated. If you're picking up high and you're seriously considering Saquon Bark, 
considering taking Saquon Barkley, you got to be paying attention to his news. You got to be watching press conferences. I mean, you got to be sure that this guy is going to be getting the amount of touches that he needs to be better than. I don't think you can take him over Kamara or Derek. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, I completely agree. No way you could take him over those top five guys, at least. Even Eckler, as you said, I think Eckler has a lot of upside this year, and I think he's going to be great. We just talked about him, but Saquon Barkley, a guy, he's only been, he's only had his rookie year where he really was a star. Ever since that rookie year, we've seen him injury-prone. And even if he does come back fully healthy, who's to say that he's not going to get injured again some at another point yeah. in the season? And I think that's very likely that – even if it's not a significant injury, you could see him if like a hamstring issue or something where he's out one to two weeks or just a few weeks, and that could greatly affect your team. So I think you have to pay attention to some of these running backs who have potential to get injured. Uh, And Saquon Barkley is easily one of those and probably the one who is most concerning. Uh, But that's the main issue with him, just the injury. And if he comes back, there's a good chance he's probably going to miss at least another one or two weeks at some point in the season because of another injury. Yeah, I think the Giants are going to be very careful with Saquon Barkley. Definitely just something to stay alert to. Another top running back that I am a, a little wary of myself, I'll be honest, is Jonathan Taylor. Um, you got Marlon Mack there. You got Nikeem Hines there, who's more the receiving back out of the group. But Marlon Mack is coming back. And to me, you got to think he's going to take some touches, at least away from Jonathan Taylor. Obviously, Taylor really burst onto the scene. He looks like a superstar in the making. So it, it is annoying and upsetting that, you know, especially behind that O-line, that he might not begin that amount of touches that if he did, he could be one of those top guys in fantasy. So, Mac, I'll ask you this. What are your thoughts on, on Jonathan Taylor? Obviously, there are going to be other guys getting reps in that committee. But do you think you can still value him as a, a you know, a first-round running back? Who are you taking him over? And what guys are you going to take over? Jonathan Taylor, just because of that fear of that committee. Yep. And uh, so I guess quickly to say this beginning of the season, you did kind of see a committee type thing where you have week one, he's getting nine carries, but you're seeing some games where he's going upwards. He's having 26. And then for a lot of the middle of the season, you're seeing like 12 carries and even some games you go down to six, seven carries. So there was a little bit of a committee um, type system there in the beginning of the season before he started to take off. And you were seeing mid-range points from him. You're seeing single, uh, high single-digit points from him. But when he does take control and he does get a lot of touches, you're seeing big points. In his second game, when he had 26 carries, he had 17 points. But really, at the end of the season, I think that's where you really saw him prove himself. You didn't have a great quarterback. You knew that he was going to be the focus of this offense if you're trying to make a make the playoffs and push for the playoffs. And you saw those last five or so games, I, I believe it was five games, Week 13, he had 13 carries. He got 19 and a half points. And you keep going down where he had two games where he was over 150 yards in that last game of the season where he was over 250 yards, almost scoring 40 fantasy points. Um, so he's a guy, end of the season, he bursted onto the scene. And he played very very well if you do this committee type thing you're slowing down his progression in this offense and I think the end of the season when he was putting up those numbers that's when the Colts were easily at their best the talk on NFL Network ESPN you're hearing Jonathan Taylor Jonathan Taylor Jonathan Taylor and just how well he's playing and I don't think you should shy away from it as you said you have Naheem Hines Marlon Mack guys in this offense who have started a few games at some points and they've played well so a committee could work for this team opposite um 
opposed to the Chargers where Austin Eckler is clearly clearly the best back. Those other two really haven't started many games before. But in this offense, Jonathan Taylor, he's easily the best back, but those other two guys, they've started games and they've played well, so a committee could work in this offense. But I do think you should focus on Jonathan Taylor and him in this offense. That's when you saw a lot of success last season. And I do think Marlon Mack, that committee type thing, is probably because they went out and got Carson Wentz. If he, When he's back, if he's healthy, you're going to have to have a guy who he can rely on, short yardage, check things down, and that's something you could see out of Marlon Mack and Naeem Hines. Um, so I think that's the main reason why they're probably seeing committee. You're going to throw them in there here and there, but I don't think it's going to be a committee as many people would expect it to be. Like they're going to get in there a few carries a game, and you may see um, Jonathan Taylor not getting uh, – a lot of 20 plus carry games, but he's still going to be able to perform. And when he does get those 20 plus carry games, you know, he's going to win you uh, your fantasy game that week. So Jonathan Taylor, he's going to be great. Um, I think we just have to pay attention to the Carson Wentz situation, as I said, and um, having one of those two backups in there um, to help him progress in that short yardage passing game. And then Quentin Nelson, he's obviously going to be a big factor in this. We're hearing now it was that five to 12 week range. And now they're saying they both could be back week one. It's very, very, very confusing. Are they going to be 100% when they're back? Um, so it's interesting. They still have one of the best lines in the league, even without Quentin Nelson. So I'm not too worried about that. But I think Jonathan Taylor, he's going to be a great back. And it's kind of hard to say his fantasy value right now because of um, really we're just not sure how they're going to use those other two guys. Uh, but I do know they are going to use him. And I do believe in the committee thing uh, for this offense. And now for where I would take him, um, I still think there are a lot of guys who, who are going to be taken above him and should be taken above him. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Adam Kamara, Zeke Elliott, uh, Austin Eckler. Um, then you kind of have Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, and Jonathan Taylor. I think they're all in that kind of similar range. But where I would rank them uh, with those guys, I'd probably put Aaron Jones above him. I think I'd have Jonathan Taylor below and then Nick Chubb below that. So what is that, fifth, um, sixth, seven? I think that's the eighth running back right now. And then Saquon Barkley, I think he falls just behind there just because of the fact of uh, his injuries, how he's going to play and all that stuff we just talked about. Yeah, I mean, I won't go into uh, the uh, the Colts actual team impact because I think you covered that really well. I mean, I think we saw what Jonathan Taylor can do. He is the clear cut number one best running back in that committee. But that is kind of been a part of their strength, the Colts at times, which is kind of where I differ with you. Obviously, they did have success when Taylor was in there, but I also think that committee does give them a strength. I mean, you look at Naheem Hines, he's elusive, he's quick, he's pretty good out of the, you know, as a receiving back. Should Naheem Kynes get many carries? Absolutely not. And I think with Marlon back, Mack back, we're really going to see Naheem Hines restricted to a receiving role um, in this committee. I mean, I just don't think Naheem Hines should be getting many of these rushes. I think Marlon Mack, we might see a slow start for him just because he's coming off that Achilles tear. That's a bad injury. But he was that RB1 at times for the Colts. He's been very good when he's been healthy. So I think he is going to have a decent role, which is very unfortunate for Jonathan Taylor. I think Taylor was so great, and I still do believe he is an RB1, RB2. He's going to get a lot of work. He's going to be the number one. He's going to get touchdowns. But to me, if I had to rank him in terms of fantasy, I mean, I think where he falls is late first, early second. That's probably where he's going to go in most drafts. But I agree with you, obviously. I mean, it doesn't even have to go name McCaffrey, Dalvin, Zeke, Kamara, Derek. Personally, I put Saquon above him. Eckler, Aaron Jones, I do have above him. But then you get into that tier. I think Jonathan Taylor is better than Nick Chubb because you look at Nick Chubb, there's, you know, 
he's with Kareem Hunt there. And that's, you know, a bigger chunk of the touches being taken in my eyes than the touches from Taylor. I think that, you know, it's a tough call, but, you know, Jonathan Taylor will at least have some receiving work. Nick Chubb really rarely gets receptions, which is a problem. So I put him up there. I mean, there's other guys too. You can look at like a Najee Harris. I think Najee Harris is going to get a lot of work this year. I think that's an interesting thing to look at. Antonio Gibson, I'm personally not as high on Joe Mixon. I mean, there's always seems to be some upside, but you know, you never know. I mean, that's kind of your group. So for me, I, I mean, I, I'm kind of putting him in a similar spot to you. I think like RB nine or so late end RB one back end RB one is, is kind of where I have him at. Um, I'd pick Aaron Jones just because Aaron Jones is, you know, I, I like Aaron. Oh, Aaron Jones always seems to have one of those big games and then finishing like the yeah. top five RBs, even though like the rest of his weeks are like 15 or so. Um, <laughs> but Aaron Jones is pretty solid. I, I'm, I'm a little worried. I won't lie about the committee um, with the Colts, but still mm-hmm. take him over a guy like Nick Chubb and Jonathan Taylor. I mean, if one of those guys like Marlon Mack goes down, you're going to see Jonathan Taylor become a top five running back potentially just because of that amount of work. I mean, it, all it will take, it's one of those backups to go down and Marlon, or not, excuse me, Jonathan Taylor will instantly become one of those top RB. So there's upside to that. You got to look at upside yeah. when drafting as well. That's why I kind of like a Najee Harris as well. Najee Harris could get a lot of work this year rather than like a, I mean, if you, we, you know what you're getting out of Nick Chubb, he's a reliable guy in the second round who's going to get you a certain amount of points each week. But you know what you're getting, Najee Harris, guys like that, Jonathan Taylor, real big upside, I think, there. Yep, I completely agree. And Najee Harris, as we saw uh, in that first preseason game against the Cowboys, he played well. We spoke about it last episode. He's running hard. He's falling forward for yards. He has that strength and he has that agility. And he's really a guy that's going to be a do-it-all back in that offense uh, yesterday. Uh, was it yesterday or two days ago, whatever it was? Um, you saw he only got in there. He only got two carries, 10 yards. But still, you're seeing great production out of him from those limited snaps that you're seeing. So Najee Harris is going to be a great back. Uh, the really only worry I have for him is he's going to get those touches, but you don't have that great offensive line. You lost a lot of those pieces, and we're going to have to see how that plays. I know he's going to need a lot of carries, as I said, um, but he's really going to have to rely on falling forward for a lot of the carries. Um, if he wants to get some of the yards, uh, I know he's going to be looked at a lot in the passing game. We saw what he was doing at Alabama. He's really doing it all. Um, so I'm not really worried about the passing game. It's just going to be how does the offensive line hold up? How do they perform? And how does he work in conjunction with that offensive line? Yeah, I agree with that. I think, you know, the thing, I, the reason I like him is I think he's a guy, you know, there's no other RB in that, in that group that's going to get work like he will. I mean, he's going to get the, all the touches. There's not going to be a, a committee. There's not going to be a share. He'll get the goal line touches. Like he's a guy to me where I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, this is a guy who's probably going to score 10 plus touchdowns this season. And that's what you got to look for sometimes in fantasy non PPR. He might, I mean, I think he'll, I think he'll have a decent role in the receiving game, but I think this guy is going to be in like 20 rush attempts a game or something like that. I mean, I really do believe that the Steelers will use him a lot. Um, but obviously they do have that off great, you know, the, the passing scheme to them is, is a key part as well. So you got to realize big Ben's going to be throwing that ball a lot. There's going to be times where Najee Harris is definitely going to have some games where he might be putting up like four or five fantasy points just because, if he doesn't have it that day, they're going to move away from him and not necessarily utilize him. So I agree there's some upside there with the amount of volume he might get in that red zone presence and the lack of, you know, another RB there. But at the same time, the Steelers have a great passing offense. There's a bad O-line. You know, pros and cons with Najee Harris is really, you know, you got you to gotta just be – if you're picking him, there's definitely some upside. So, you know, you're picking him with upside. If you, you know, that's what you got to do at the end of the day. Kind of my thoughts. Yep. A lot, a lot of great running backs. 
Um, with that, I don't know what position you want to move to next or what else uh, you want to talk about. So, yeah. I mean, I think I know my laptop's dying. I got 25%, so I should be good for a bit. But, um, you know, I want to talk about wide receiver, um, kind of that middle tier of guys in the wide receiver one group, and as, as well as the wide receiver twos who you're liking in like the 40 through 60 range. Um, so I guess we'll start with the wide receiver ones. I mean, obviously you have your Devontae Adams, Terry Kill, Stefan Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins. That, 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 that top four group I feel like is pretty much the consensus top four receivers taken in the draft. But then yep. you get into the next tier of guys, which is the Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, Keenan Allen, AJ Brown, that range, Allen Robinson. So I'm kind of just trying to get your thoughts. Obviously, you have the top four, but to fill up the rest of the wide receiver one, who are some of those guys in that group or other guys I didn't even mention that you do like that you are high on in the third round and the fourth round that you're taking and that you think has potential upside to be, you know, a very high end wide receiver one? All right. I don't know if, how you're going to like this one, but. I do think there's one player who is in that range in uh or in that group with some with those top four guys, and I think it's Calvin Ridley. I think he deserves to be put up there. You saw what he was doing last year when Julio Jones wasn't in this offense. He was putting up 30 plus points week in and week out, really, it seemed like, and he was doing it consistently throughout the entire year. Um, so Calvin Ridley, I do think he's up there in that group of the guys. I think he's probably the last one out of those four guys. Oh, now the five guys, now that he's including that. But I do think there's that talent, and then there's a little bit of a drop-off after those five guys. And then, as you said, you have players like DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, uh, Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, Keenan Allen. And I think Keenan Allen, he is a guy who has potential to be the upper tier or one of the top players out of this tier. Um, he's a guy – you're getting a developing quarterback. You have a great offense. But how much – of the offense is going to be designed to go to him. You're going to have Mike Williams. You're going to have Austin Eckler and the committee that they're saying is going to happen. I don't believe that, but Austin Eckler, I think he's going to get the most looks in this, in, in this offense. And Keenan now he could easily fall in that top uh, tier group of guys, amazing route runner uh, has been one of the better receivers in the league for the past few years. And then I look at a guy at Justin Jefferson, a guy who last year played out of his mind, easily the best rookie in this class so far from what we've seen. And I think he's right behind him. You could put a guy, I think DK Metcalf, AJ Brown are kind of interchangeable. I believe AJ Brown is a better player, but fantasy wise, now that you have Julio Jones, you have um, Derek Henry, of course, who's going to be getting a huge workload in this offense. Uh, he may fall behind DK Metcalf, in my opinion, just because of uh, who he's surrounded by, DK Metcalf. You have Russell Wilson. You have guys like Tyler Lockett. Uh, you don't really have that much of a run game or not that great of a run game, not great of an, of an offensive line. So DK Metcalf is going to be uh, ranked very highly in this group. So right now I'd probably go, um, excuse me, Keenan Allen, uh, Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, then you kind of throw um, Terry McLaurin. And the guy I want to talk about real quick um, is Allen Robinson, a guy who, if Justin Fields isn't starting out of the gate, I think he's probably going to be a lower end in this tier. But once Justin Fields comes in and he starts playing, this is a guy you could see him go up there right by that top five group uh, because of the talent that he has. And I think he's going to be a guy that uh, Justin Fields looks at a lot uh, in this offense. You have this next group of guys. I know you're probably expecting me to say this. You have Amari Cooper, you have CeeDee Lamb. And personally, I love me some CeeDee Lamb. We had a guest on a few weeks ago or a few months ago, whenever that was. He loves CeeDee Lamb. He said, take him whenever. Jake, I feel yeah. the same 
way about C.D. Lamb. You're seeing the plays he's making in training camp. He's just amazing. And when we draft the C.D. Lamb, I said I'll give it a year and a half, two years before he's the number one receiver on the Cowboys, even over Amari Cooper. And I think that very well could happen at some point this year uh, just because of the way he's been playing in training camp. And I think he will continue that into the regular season. We're just going to have to see. He's not showing injuries. Uh, Amari Cooper, he's probably going to miss a few games. We know that's expected or he's going to play hurt for a few games. That's always expected with him. But C.D. Lamb, he's going to be a guy who Dak Prescott is going to be looking at a lot in this offense. And I think he's showed great improvement. He's a guy I'm definitely looking to try and get in every single draft. And then Amari Cooper, he's a guy who, when Dak was healthy, he was one of the top fantasy receivers in the league. He's scoring 20-plus points in most of those games when Dak is in and he is fully healthy. So if everything's right with Amari Cooper health-wise and if Dak's fully healthy, Amari Cooper could easily be a number one, uh, a low-end number one or a high-end uh, two receiver on your team. So those are the two guys that I also really like. Um, some other guys – I mean, you have Cooper Cup, you have a new quarterback in Matt Stafford, Ty Lockett, Kenny Galladay, uh, Julio Jones, uh, just DJ Moore, just a bunch of guys. But I think those main guys are the two Cowboys receivers in this group. You have Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson, uh, Terry McLaurin, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and uh, yeah, Keenan Allen, who I said before. So I think those are the main guys in that group. Uh, you can't really go wrong with any one of them. And then Calvin Ridley, I'm putting him up there with those top four receivers in Tyreek Hill, Adams, Diggs, and Hopkins. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Calvin Ridley is, uh, you know, really in prime for a big year. One concern I have with him is I do think a lot of the defense at one playing the Falcons will be dedicated to him just because – you look at who that number two is. Obviously, they do have Pitts, who's probably the second best option there. But then it's like Russell Gage. So I feel like a lot of that corner safety work is going to be dedicated to him, which does concern me a little bit just because I feel like, you know, he did play well while Julio was out and he is, a, you know, great talent. But when he does have a lot of, you know, he might be getting double teamed and whatnot, you know, it could, could hurt him. But I still nonetheless believe he will have a huge year, has that upside to be the top receiver in fantasy, I think, with how heavy pass offense. We've seen the Falcons be in recent years. So he's up there in that top five. Then to me, I think, you know, um, you know, the, that next group for me is kind of Keenan Allen, DK Metcalf. Those two are, are up there for me. I feel like Keenan Allen, you look at the amount of targets he was getting, amount of games with 10 plus receptions, pretty incredible. He is a heavy focus. I think that number will go down even with Hunter Henry out. I just think that was a big, very big number of targets and, and touches that he was getting um, with Eckler back there. I think Eckler will get some work. I think Mike Williams will see an increase. So we'll see what happens with that. DK Metcalf, I like. I mean, I think he's only improving Russell Wilson. They didn't go out and add many weapons, if any. So, you know, kind of expect a sim similar role. I think Lockett is only going to decline at this point in his career. He's not going to get better. So for me, DK Metcalf will only be getting better, be able to handle matchups like Jalen Ramsey better, going to be able to develop the tools and strength needed to, you know, really be a star. I think he has a potential breakout as well, just because of the talent and, you know, his build as well. I mean, he is a very fast, quick guy and he's huge. He's a big guy. So I like DK Metcalf, a guy who you mentioned who I'm not as big on, and I'm probably putting at the back end in this year is Justin Jefferson. Um, I think the talent is immense. I love um, the talent. You did see he had like a shoulder issue. It appears to be okay. So that's good news. But I mean, you look at that rookie season, I believe he had like 1400 yards or so. And, you know, some touchdowns. I don't know the exact number of the touchdowns. Um, you know, I know he was getting in the red zone. I just think that number is going to go down. I mean, that's a pretty high number. 1,400 yards is not easy to duplicate. 
Um, you do have Adam Thielen there. You do have Dalvin Cook there. Irv Smith, a lot of people are pretty high on him, think he's going to have an up increase in role. So I am a little worried about Justin Jefferson. I'm not sure if I'm taking him in that top tier that those guys. I mean, if you're talking about a guy like a Keenan Allen on the board, I'd take him, Justin Jefferson, probably over an A.J. Brown. I think he'll have more volume than A.J. Brown, but similar situation. I mean, those guys are kind of grouped for me. Terry McLaurin, I'm, I'm just a little worried about. I, I just don't think Terry McLaurin has that upside necessarily with Ryan Fitzpatrick as QB. I mean, I think you know what you're going to get with Fitzpatrick. I think the the, the football team is going to be very heavy on the run with Gibson. McKissick will get his work as a you know guy in the slot. So I'm a little worried. They have Curtis Samuel too. I mean, I think that's kind of the, I think that's going to kind of be their scheme. So I'm not huge on McLaurin. Allen Robinson, like you said, I mean, with Andy Dolan in there. You can kind of expect what you saw with the Mary Cooper with Andy Dolan, just kind of an average receiver, nothing special. You're not going to take him too early. So try to group the tiers. I mean, I, I agree with you. Calvin's up there. I think Keenan and DK to me are pretty interchangeable for six and seven. Um, and then, you know, it's tough to say. I mean, I guess you can put kind of Justin Jefferson there. AJ Brown. I mean, I might view AJ Brown better. I don't even know. It's tough. Allen Robinson's right there. And then moving on to that next group of guys, I think there's a lot of guys with upside. I agree with you. CeeDee Lamb, there's immense upside. I mean, I think you'd even put him up there with the Allen Robinson, A.J. Brown. I mean, I, I think he can be better than those guys. I, I, you know, I know he's not a big name per se. A lot of people like big names, but the teams that often do the best are the guys who go out and get the little guys, the guys that, you know, have the upside but are not as known. And CeeDee Lamb, to me, just screams like one of those names. Amari Cooper should be good. I feel like with Amari Cooper, it's kind of just establish what you're going to get. You're going to get a guy who's going to average – you know, he'll have his games where he has like 30 points, but he'll have those games where he has like five, six, seven points, doesn't really get too involved. But he'll be a guy who finishes, you know, double digit points, you know, maybe 14, 15 a game. You don't know. Somewhere in there. That's kind of the Amari Cooper range. So I like him as the top tier. Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. I mean, one of those guys will probably be better than the other. To be honest, I don't know which one. I like Cooper Cup this year personally. Um, I just think Cooper Cup's better. Robert Woods kind of getting up there in the age. Um, we'll see who Matt Stafford likes. I mean, we don't really know. In past years, Jared Goff, to me, has kind of tended to like Robert Woods better. But Matt Stafford, I've heard good things about Cooper Cup. I like Cooper Cup out of those two. Uh, Mike Evans, I'm just staying away from him and Godwin if I can. I mean, if you get Godwin in a good spot in the fifth round, take him. But Mike Evans, stay away from him in the fourth round. It's just too many mouths to feed with Antonio Brown there. They have a good tight end room, a lot of running backs. It's just too many people to too many mouths to feed for me to go pick him in the fourth round. So I'm staying away from him. Um, looking at other guys here. I mean, Deontay Johnson, a lot of people are high on him to me, probably the better best Steelers receiver to get. He'll get the most receptions there. So not bad pick there. Tyler Lockett, kind of like I said, I'm not, I mean, he's not bad at that spot. If you can get him as your wide receiver two flex play, take him and you know what you're going to get. He's not going to be a top guy. I mean, he's had times as a wide receiver one. So go out and get him. Julio Jones, Injury prone, you know, could be really good. I don't know. DJ Moore had, you know, it's kind of just been in the same tier for a while. And then you're getting into like the Brennan IU, Kenny, Kenny Galladay, I'm staying away from too. He's already injured. I mean, he's just seems like he's so injury prone at this point. Stay away from Kenny Galladay. Cortland Sutton, I like coming off the injury. T Higgins from our chase Odell. I'm probably staying away from, I mean, it, it, it goes on and on. Robbie Anderson. I like, I just saw his name on there. So that's kind of my thoughts on some of those guys. I mean, they, you're kind of similar. It's kind of just personal preference with that here. It's actually a pretty, pretty deep spot in that fifth, sixth round in terms of guys. You're going to be able to go out and get guys who will be wide receiver two flex plays. Some of them don't have too much upside. So if you are looking for wide receiver one in that group, 
I mean, I don't even know who I'd say would have the most upside in that group. You could look at Julio for the talent. Tyler Lockett's done it in the past. Deontay Johnson, maybe for the volume. I don't know. Kind of interchangeable in that group. Yep. A lot of guys, a lot of mouths to feed. Um, so wide receivers, pretty stacked. We both gave our opinions on that. And I guess well, one of the last things we cover is I kind of want to talk about the tight ends. You spoke about Kevin Ridley. Yeah. Um, so I kind of felt like we should talk about some Kyle Pitts in this offense. So <laughs> we know that the, excuse me, the Falcons, the past few years, you've had Calvin Ridley, you have Julio Jones, two guys very good in that offense and have led the Falcons to have one of the better passing offenses in the league over the past few years. You get rid of Julio Jones and now you have Calvin Ridley, uh, not Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts on this team. You picked him. Overall, you saw him make some great plays in training camp. Four, fourth overall, excuse me, <laughs> um, number. He's wearing number eight. That's what I was thinking. But he's going to be a guy. Yep. You look at the offense, it's clearly him and Calvin Ridley running this offense. You have Matt Ryan. He knows Calvin Ridley. He knows what he likes. Kyle Pitts, I think he's going to take some time to develop into that guy that Matt Ryan could trust. But I do think he's a guy that has potential to be tight end two even this season because of how uh, – was uh, last year. I think they're just guys you're going to have to compete with. Darren Waller, George Kittle. I honestly think my, uh, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, DJ Hawkinson, they're all kind of in that same range. And right now, I think Kyle Pitts is only in that range because he's a rookie. We haven't seen him do it yet. And I think once the season starts, we're going to see him start balling out, uh, even if it's a few weeks into the season. I don't think there's any way you're passing Travis Kelsey um, at all. I don't think you're getting near the amount of points he's going to get. He's clearly going to have more points than, than his second per, uh, closest tight end. But Darren Waller, a guy who's heavily relied on the past game. George Kittle, he's coming off of an injury. You have a lot of guys there who do a lot of different things. How is Trey Lance going to like him? We know Trey Lance the a guy with a big arm. Oh, excuse me. So he's going to be looking at those guys who go deep, and I don't think George Kittle is one of those guys. He's a mid, he's a short to mid route type of guy, and he's a great blocker. So I think you're going to use him more in that role. So I do think Kyle Pitts could pretty easily become uh, a tight end who's better than George Kittle. Mark Andrews, you just got Rashad Bateman. Uh, your primary focus is well, Rashad him. Bateman's like out already. Not he's Rashad, like done. Yeah. <laughs> He'll be back in a few weeks. I think it's uh, late September. Um, early October is the range right now, but once that time comes around, you're going to have a new guy you're looking at in the offense. You're still primarily a run-first offense. I don't know how Mark Andrews is um, going to do or what his touch, his uh, volume is going to be this season. TJ Hawkinson, um, I think that's actually a great fit in Detroit right now. Now that you have Jared Goff, I think he's a guy that util has utilized tight ends pretty well uh, over his career there in L.A. Um, so TJ Hawkinson, I think he's going to – put up some pretty big numbers, but Kyle Pitts, I do think he has a good shot to be that number two tight end right now. I think he's just going to be competing with Darren Waller, who, as I said, he's going to have so much volume and that offense. But if you see guys like Henry Ruggs or um, who's another guy that there's a guy in that offense who in training camp, they've loved, he's developing a lot. Um, I think he was a rookie last year. Ah, what's his name? Can tell you. Can tell you. I'm thinking the name. It'll probably come back to me, but there's a guy in that that offense that he's looked very well in training camp. So you could see him get some more touches. So Darren Waller, if some of these guys develop as they have been de developing in training camp, he could see some less targets. You still have Josh uh, Jacobs there. Who's a great running back. I'll keep forgetting uh, to talk about him. He's been a running back. You could rely on in fantasy the past few years, uh, almost every single week. Is it Brian Edwards? Sorry. Brian Edwards. I think Brian that Edwards. Is. He's a guy. I think I've heard. It looks a lot like he's him. number two on the depth chargers. Oh no. 
I don't know. He might be, he's a starter right now. So, but yeah, he's a guy who I've heard some pretty good things about in training camp. So this offense, you could see the ball be spread out more from just Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller, Henry Ruggs, and that other guy, I already forgot his freaking name. I, I don't know why I can't remember his name, but <laughs> I think those are guys that could have a nice volume in this offense. So Darren Waller, Brian Edwards, Brian Edwards, Brian Edwards, we got it. Brian Edwards, yeah, Henry your Ruggs. Boy. So these are guys that could contribute in this offense who could cause Darren Waller to fall a little bit. Kyle Pitts, I think it's going to take a few weeks. Those first few weeks may be a little bit slow, but I'd say once you hit week five, six, uh, their bye week is week six. So once you hit around that range, after that bye week, bye week, he should come out hot. And I think him and Calvin really going to be putting on shows in that offense. And I think he very well could be tight end too. Travis Kelsey, as I said, easily tight end one. Uh, no matter who they have in that offense, he's getting that ball all the time. Travis Kelsey's going to be putting up 20 to 30 points every single game. Uh, and no one's going to come close to that. So, yep, Travis Kelsey's out there. Kyle Pitts, I think, has a very good shot at being that second tight end this year. Uh, but I think it's all going to – be on how these teams play and how they develop throughout the first few weeks of the season. I like Kyle Pitts. I'm not as high on him as you, clearly. I don't think he'll be the tight end, too. Um, I agree with you. Kelsey is, is one that's that's unquestionable. If I'm picking Kelsey, by the way, like don't pick him before a, a top running back that we mentioned. Go at him late first round, early second round. I'd probably wait for the second round. If you can get an Aaron Jones and, but, uh, you know, Austin Eckler over him, you got to do it. Um, you got to grab those running backs. But tight end is an interesting spot. You've got guys like Darren Waller, who I think is the second best guy and will be the second best guy with the upside to even overtake Travis Kelsey. I think the volume's there with Waller. Derek Carr really likes him. I know you made a little face there. But, you know, we've seen him really flourish these past few years and emerge as, you know, one of those top guys. Um, he's very talented. He's a tall kid, um, you know, can play very well. He's pretty much the best top receiving threat. In that offense, they obviously do like to run the ball with Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake there. But to me, Waller has that upside of being the top guy. I think he's the only one that could pass Kelsey. Kittle is good. Um, I wouldn't pick him before Waller. But, yeah, you pick him as your third, the third guy off the board. But, you know, I think with him, I think he kind of had his peak year um, of his career at this point. Not saying physically per se, but just statistically, I think he, he's probably peaked out. Um you know, quarterback situation, we'll see what happens this year. But they have a lot of mouths to feed. Also, Brennan Ayuk has emerged. He was Samuel. They like, they have a good running back room with a few guys they're going to mix in. They got like Raheem Moster, Trey Sermon. I believe Wayne Gallman is now there. So they got a bunch of guys that they're going to have to feed there. Then that next year, that Andrews Hawkinson pits tier, you know, I, I Andrews is my least favorite, I'd say. I, I'm personally not drafting him. I just don't like him. Um, I think he's very inconsistent. Yeah, I love good weeks, but. To me, uh, there's more weapons in that Baltimore offense now. There's more guys that Lamar can look to. So I think that could help Andrews. But at the same time, I'm just not loving Andrews. I don't think, you know, he's always kind of been inconsistent. And I don't love that necessarily. Tight end is a pretty inconsistent spot. But to put, you know, to really pick him that high, I, I'd stay away. Hawkinson is a guy I really like for the upside. I think TJ Hawkinson has some big upside just because, I mean, outside of like Amon St. Brown, who is another guy you could look at, he's had a good preseason. Um, you know, there's not really too many other weapons there. I mean, you do have DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams combo, but that's rushing it. And to me, that's not too much of a receiving threat. So TJ Hawkinson could really be the leading um, receiver for Detroit. So that's a guy I like. And then moving on to Kyle Pitts, you know, I think it's forgotten that they still have Hayden Hurst a lot of the time. I mean, Hayden Hurst is a solid tight end. This is a guy who did well last year, was a guy who, you know, you could put in there for fantasy and, and know that, you know, he might get some points. He's a good red zone threat. 
obviously they pick Kyle Pitts for he's going to be a huge part of this offense. But I just think, you know, the thought to say that he's going to be tight end too, I, I just don't think so. I mean, he would have to, you know, as you've kind of heard the, the, the main guys that, you know, some call them the sheeps um, call them, you know, he would have to shatter rookie tight end records to be that good and to really be worth where he's being picked. Don't go out and pick him in the fourth round. That's not, that's not smart. Obviously there's a lot of upside. Once you're in the fifth round, I can get it, but get your, your running backs out of the way before you deal with Kyle Pitts. If you're going to go a tight end early, go a Kelsey, go a, uh, a Waller, go a Kittle, but don't go for a Pitts that early in like the third round. Like don't, no one's going to take him that early. Don't take him. Don't be that guy. Obviously, like Mr. Rommel said, there is some upside um, with Pitts. You can look and, you know, really hope that he does well. But I don't know. Personally, I just don't see him being the tight end, too. I think he's a very good player, someone I'm personally high on. And then I, you know, think could be tight end four or five as the year ends, maybe even three. I think his peak is tight end three. Um, so I guess that's not too far off from tight end two. But um, I just wouldn't go reaching on him necessarily so huge just because Hurst is there. Ridley's going to be the main guy. There are a lot of, uh, of targets to get, though, as my laptop continues to get low. So this might have to be our last thing. Um, yeah. Um, and then in that next tier, you got the Tanyans, you got the Gesickis, you got the Irv Smiths, you got the Goddards. That's all personal preference. I'm not going to tell you who I necessarily love. I mean, I like Gesicki there. I think Tanyan, people say you won't have the year he had last year. I think there's reason to believe he could have a good year. He'll still get red zone targets. He'll still get receptions. Rodgers likes him. So. Um, I think Tanyan's good. Goddard, I'm staying away from. It seems like Ertz is still there. That's going to be pesky. Irv Smith, guy who has some upside. Why not? You could go take him late. Um, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on that. I don't know if you have anything else you want to quickly talk about. Um, that's not too long, or if you just want to wrap it up. But that's my thoughts on the tight end situation. All right. I think that pretty much does it. We covered a lot today. A lot of fantasy football. I know. It was a long episode. <laughs> this was a long episode. Hey, it's what we had to do for a season. It's the one. finale. Of course. The last time you're going to see me and Griffin on here every single week for now. It's the last time. For now. It sucks. We're going to be for back, now. but that little break is going to be rough. It, it really is. And I'm sure once I figure out my schedule, um, we're going to have to figure out if I'm just going to surprise you guys and come on an episode or if we're going to have Griffin <laughs> next for that I'll be there for the next week. Yeah. But, but we're, we're going to yeah. have to see. We may have some fun. It may surprise you guys. That may be how we get it to work. But uh, I'm going to be on, as I said, at least once a month is my goal. And hopefully as uh, I get more adjusted to college life in that kind of thing and see what my uh, life uh, is like and my schedule is like, then hopefully I could be on here every single week. Once again, as I said, I'll be here during breaks. Uh, so we have like that week Thanksgiving break. We have a month off for Christmas. We have a few months off for. Uh, we'll be stuff. here, guys. Don't worry. Daddy Rommel will be in the. Daddy Rommel will be here with Daddy. <laughs> we'll be here. Yeah. But and always, one more uh, thing. I mean, before before you wrap this up, I will say, um, I mean, just thinking about it now, you know, Mac will still contribute to the show. I'll make sure to get during the NFL season his picks for the games each week. Um, and we're going to make sure to tally those results this year, maybe have a little prize between me and Mac or, or whoever else is co-hosting. And we'll maybe also get some fantasy picks, guys he likes, guys he don't like, guys to eye on the waiver wire. We'll still get his thoughts. We'll have the Rommel report, we could call it, each week uh, where we'll hear, even if he's not speaking himself, we'll hear what his thoughts are on all the games and all uh, the fantasy news. So stay tuned for the Rommel report coming to the NFL season uh, this year. I love that, Griff. I love that. And then lastly, I got to say it again. Thank you so much for everything. I, 
I'm always glad that we're going to be friends for the rest of our lives. I know that's going to be true. Uh, we're definitely going to start hanging out a lot, a lot more uh, when I'm back here and when you come to Baylor to visit me. You know what? Maybe you may have to say screw Northwestern and come to Baylor. We're going to have to see. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's been great getting super, super close with you uh, over the past year. Yeah. And I'm glad we met at Brucey's camp. I love you, Brucey. Yeah. Thank you for uh, having me, one of my best friends. Uh, this has been absolutely amazing. I wouldn't want to do this with anyone else. Um, so I just want to thank you for that. Uh, and I guess with that, I'll wrap course, things bro. up. Um, so, damn, last time doing this for a little bit. Thank you all. Season one in the books. Crazy. Season one is in the books. Thank you all so much for watching this week's episode of Outside the Arena. This was the finale of season one of Outside the Arena. It's hard to say. We're going to be back. We're going to make sure it's better than season one. Every season, we're going to keep improving. Every episode, we're going to keep improving. Even if I'm not here, I'm going to do my best to contribute uh, with Griffin. I know Griffin, he's an amazing host. He knows how to do everything. He knows how to get better, and he improves really every single week at everything he does. So you're in great hands with him. Uh, And, yeah, that's all I have to say with that. Make sure you guys like, comment, and subscribe, not only on this channel, but our other channel, OTA Clips, where we post shorter breaking news type clips. Haven't really done uh, much over there in uh, a little bit, but that's the channel. If you guys want to come on with us, if you want to talk, um, you guys got to reach out to us. And Instagram would be the best place to do that. My Instagram is Mac.Rommel. Griffin's Instagram is Griffin Sonic. And our podcast Instagram is Outside the Arena Podcast. So make sure you all follow us on there. Reach out to us if you guys want to come on. That's the best place to do so. We'd love to hear from you. And then if you guys can't watch these videos, if you're in the car, it's easier to just listen to audio. You guys can go over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We're outside the arena on there. You could just get the audio version of this. It'll be easier for you guys to listen to. So make sure to subscribe to us over there. As always, thank you so much for watching this week's episode of Outside the Arena. Make sure to stay safe and I'll see you all soon.